0: It's Dr. Stew's podcast, podcast number 79. That's right, approaching podcast number 80. Dr. Stuart Fitchbein is right here. I'm Brian Whitman, his faithful companion for Dr. Stew's podcast. You can hear the show right here on the website at Dr. podcast. Dot com. You can go to iTunes and register. You'll get an alert every time there's a brand new Dr. Stu's podcast. You'll get a little nudge, a little cyber nudge, so you don't miss a show. And you can write a review, give them five stars, and you can share it on your Facebook, share it on your Twitter. We have found in the limited research we've done that Dr. Stu's podcast has grown exponentially by leaps and bounds because folks like you, new moms, new couples, new dads, you you're sharing this information full podcast with uh, like-minded people, uh, girlfriends, uh, wives, husbands who are coupling and pregnant and expecting.
1: Everyone's got a pregnant friend. And they got to hear Dr. Stu's podcast. Yeah, buried in our podcast every every week is uh, at least one or two pearls of wisdom. And, and you those do. are the things we're sharing. By the and, way, you know, I, I haven't. I haven't, you know, since since I moved into a condominium, I haven't had a faithful companion, oh. uh, so I'm really happy that you're my faithful companion. Oh, are you inviting me over? No, but you just said you were my faithful companion, and, and the last faithful companion I had was my dog, and my dog died a long time ago. Would so you have me over for a weekend? Well, do you do you eat kibbles and bits? No, I'd like a human. I'd like to be treated Brian, you know what? Like a human. You should come and stay at my new digs. I'd like that. It's kind of fun down there. I saw a picture of you with some older
0: fellow who appeared to be very esteemed in his medical uh history. Yeah, he's a
1: very well-renowned guy in Michelle Adant and I was fortunate to actually spend an evening with him, and he actually stayed at my house that night.
0: I never say this. I'm a hermit. He has,
1: he has green pajamas.
0: I love that. I'm a hermit. I never <laughs> say this. Something that no
1: one else knows. <laughs> I would love to be
0: a guest. of. I'd love to show up Friday night at about 8 o'clock. You get some popcorn going. We watch The Wizard of Oz. How about when I go out of town, you come and cat-sit my house? I don't want to do that. I want no. to do it with you. He <laughs> wants
1: to be with you. He wants to go on a mandate. I want, romance. I want to, well, don't you have puppies at home? Yeah. So who would take care of your I'll puppies? I'll get
0: somebody to come and watch my puppies in Glendale, and okay. I'll go downtown LA and hang with the uh, with the wealthy people, like the doctors. Okay.
1: okay. Okay. And then Saturday, you can come with me to see my uh, my my uh, Restore the Core uh, strengthening instructor who I've started seeing. And I can't tell you that she's really... Her name is Laura Catone, and yeah. she's a body specialist, and she... Uh, has been working with me because I felt like I was really starting to feel my age, and and your uh, age is? Do you mind? I'm 58.
0: Okay. You, I must say, in recent visits here at the podcast, you seem like you're doing good. You seem like you've lost a little weight, and I've you been working on that. Okay. You seem in in presence. Randy, I don't know if you back me up, but I'm being sincere. Dr. Stu, you seem more. I'm not kissing your butt because I don't have to do
1: that. No, you don't have to do We're that. good enough friends. You seem more youthful to me. Well, I can. I, you know what? Thank you, Brian. I just say thank you. Uh, I think some of it has to be uh, has to do with being physical and doing physical activity. You know, I, I my social life isn't uh, rocking right now. Uh, which you, I think so uh, don't, so don't Randy's, bother. Randy's is, but yours, yours and mine are about the same right uh, now.
0: Yours isn't rocking, so don't bother
1: knocking. <laughs> Anybody can knock You can knock Okay You yeah. and I will have fun together bro. Yeah we Restore um, the core We won't go any further than So that. what does uh, Is this Yeah a- restore the core It's about It's about learning Wait how- I know what this is Okay I you, don't You go, you go to Ralph's And you get that Ben and Jerry's core
0: ice cream <laughs> And you fill the fridge up with yes, it That's restore that's the core That's restore the core I, I do get- that
1: every week in, And in ran- I feel great In Randy language No restore the core Is learning how to move your body In a way where you are uh, using your uh, your your abdomen and your lower back and your pelvis in in proper form, most of us sit in chairs, we slouch. We lean sideways. We have terrible we, posture and, we, country. and eventually it starts to bother. We get sore shoulders and sore neck. And then, you know, we get a sore back and we end up going to see the chiropractor. And it
0: makes getting out of furniture for guys my age, 42, a challenge. Well,
1: and then you end up getting out of furniture, getting up off the bed, out of the bed the wrong way. And you end up using different muscles so that you're actually... Out of sync with your body. Yoga people know this. I mean, if, you, if you've if you ever taken a yoga class or you look, talk to people who do yoga. <laughs> I do not think Brian I has ever taken a yoga class. Or like a spin. I know. Yeah, or, you, you look stunned there for a second. Or
0: like a spin class in L.A. They're popular. Well,
1: yeah. Spin classes, I, I I don't know about spin classes and their effect on your on your posturing and stuff. I don't know if the spin instructor is, is into that. But I know that Pilates instructors and yoga instructors are very much into that. And that's just something that most of us... You know, in my generation, you know, we don't do as far as guys go. Dr. Stu, how'd you come into contact uh, with this lady who is sort
0: of revolutionizing the way you are treating your own body at 58 years uh, old? She
1: approached me because of my uh, prominence in the birthing community. Cool. And wanted to get together and we had a conversation. uh, And then I decided, you know what, this is a really interesting person and I'm going to partake of her skills that way, two things can happen. One is I can improve myself, and two, I can find out whether that's somebody that I would want to refer other people to, which I would definitely refer her, uh, refer people to her. Because... We've talked
0: about it on the podcast before. Of course, Dr. Stew does home births, and uh, the list goes on and on, and we're waiting for the publishing of hundreds of Dr. Stew's home birth experiences, and we're waiting for that,
1: and I am waiting for that. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm getting old waiting for that. That's, it's
0: it, yeah. it's going to be exciting, but my point is this. Um, pregnant women i think they reach a point in their pregnancy you can tell me whether it's uh, x months or y months at what point in a pregnancy does a woman a young lady come to the conclusion in her own mind that physical exercise is no longer an option for her
1: i think a lot of women uh Sort of continue a pattern that they were in before. If they were physically active, uh, or you know, big into yoga or big into hiking or all those things, there's no reason that they should stop those things. And most women want to do that throughout. If somebody wasn't into that, it's very unusual for them to actually throw themselves into it at that point. It's good um, to be active in pregnancy unless you have a restriction against it, unless you have a medical condition. Otherwise, being active in pregnant, being active in life in general gives you more energy. It's better. And if you feel better about yourself, then you're sending out, you know, healthy neurotransmitters from your brain, which are then helping your baby as your baby's growing, forming its neural connections to feel like maybe you're doing something good for your baby. I gotta believe that that there is something called the epigenetic state, which is that, you know, it's your 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 baby's outcomes are not all genetically pre-programmed. A lot of it is environmental and the, the stresses and the way that you take care of your body in pregnancy probably does dictate to some degree, how your baby will come out later in life and deal with certain stresses and problems in its own life. Dr. Stu, I've heard reports about this, and I've heard sort of what I can best
0: describe as old wives' tales about this, and it deals with what mom's eating while she's carrying, nurturing a fetus, a baby, and about to bring it into the world and give birth. Uh, To what extent does that baby, boy or girl, in the womb actually develop a taste for something like a jamba juice that mom lo- might like to Meaning have Ben and jerry's e- uh, every once of, ev- every month <laughs> or every two months or every or two times uh, a month yeah you know,
1: I don't know Brian that that's a question I, I have no way of answering i we know that there are hereditary trends for things like alcoholism mm-hmm, all right mm-hmm. so we know that that's re- smoking uh, probably addictive behavior uh, whether it depends what you're addicted to. But addictive behavior—you could be addicted to exercise. You could be addicted to anorec- you know, anorectic eating styles. You could be addicted to alcohol or drug abuse or uh, sex. Um, you could be addicted to podcasts. You could be addicted to uh, your job. You could be a workaholic, that sort of thing. So those sorts of things. But I don't know as far as tastes go. I mean, I love sweet potatoes. And my daughter, eighteen years old, she still won't touch them. It's a running joke in our family. You know that that she won't That's eat something sweet potatoes. You get into with age. Right, and I hated tomatoes as a kid. Now I love tomatoes. Yeah, so I don't. I don't know. I, don't I hated grapefruit as a kid. I just realized I love it now. Yeah. Speaking with of sugar f- on it, do you put sugar on it? No, here? I just go, go for it. You peel it or do you slice them? I peel it. Oh, that's with good. my fingers. Speaking
0: yeah. of food and what mom and it, dad's. Feed their babies and young people. Good Morning America has a great report, and I'll just read a portion of it to great? you. What's
1: your definition of great?
0: Uh, well, you decide for yourself if it's great. <laughs> okay. Lisa Pearson was out of fruits and veggies one day last week, so she tucked a pack of Oreos in her daughter Natalie's oh my god not
1: Oreos <laughs> in her
0: daughter Natalie's lunch and sent her off to school at the Children's Academy in Aurora, Colorado. Pearson said she was stunned when her four-year-old came home later in the day with the cookies untouched and a sternly worded note from the school.
1: Did she get a knock on the door from Child Protective Services too? Here's what it said. (laughs) Dear parents,
0: it is very important that all students have a nutritious lunch. Oh my God. This is a public school setting and all children are required to have a fruit, a vegetable, and a heavy snack from home along with the milk. If they have potatoes, the child will also need bread to go along with it. Lunchables, chips, fruit." Fruit snacks and peanut butter are not considered to be a healthy snack. This is a very important part of our program, and we need everyone's participation, read the note provided to ABC News by Ms. Pearson. Pearson said she is baffled by how the school handled this particular situation. Well, if she's
1: baffled, it's because she doesn't pay attention to what's going on in our country right now. This is a great argument for homeschooling, okay? I mean, this is ridiculous. This is utterly ridiculous that the school is going to try to control what goes in a kid's mouth. I mean, they're only in the school for 7 hours a day or even 6 sometimes. Or 6 or whatever. Kindergarten, it's 3 right. or whatever. Yeah, pre-K might so, be So, are they going to start coming into the home now and telling them that those potato chips are inappropriate? I mean, where does this nanny state stuff end, Brian? Uh, you know, I mean, we talked about vaccines last podcast. We're talking and that's a you know, that's a you no, know, that's a real discussion that deserves discussion. This sort of this sort of invasiveness, this sort of Uh, uh, telling people how to run their lives and how to raise their children is insane. And by the way, you know, what evidence do they have that says that occasional Oreo cookies are going to be bad for this person? You know, sometimes we've talked about this before, the stress... Of what not to eat or what to eat is more more of a strain on your body than putting in an occasional oh, Ben and Jerry's ice cream or a or an Oreo cookie. This, and it's a kid. These people are nuts. And you know what? I'd like to go to their house. These 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 nanny state teachers and do a fridge and check. Check their fridge. Yeah. Right. But I ask you as a doctor,
0: Dr. Stu... Uh, wouldn't, that, wouldn't that be no? Wouldn't that be that would be spectacular? Maybe I'll, we
1: should. Do, maybe we should uh, try to sponsor like a, a Chris study. Hansen, you know, like c- yeah, Chris to Hansen. to catch a predator. Yeah, yeah,
0: to catch a potato, to catch a potato, to catch a malnourisher. Uh, but but yeah. it would, oh my God, that would be that would be fantastic. It would seem to me though. It, I'm sure the hypocrisy is great I'm as sorry, as a doctor, buddy. If a student is coming to school Monday through Friday, two days, three days, four days, five days a week with the Oreos, well, then there's a problem. Okay,
1: I would say that 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 is a problem, but I'd also say is... How is it that they know that the kid is coming to school five days a week with Oreos? Are they like keeping a log book? They're inspecting their lunches. Yeah. Are they keeping <laughs> inspecting their lunches every day? It's like, do they, is it like going through the TSA before they can eat lunch? They got to go through and have a lunchbox check? Yeah. I mean, what are we talking about yeah, here? It's, it's not their responsibility. It's the parent's responsibility. And if the kid is going to have Oreos, let the kid have Oreos. Right. And, these, and, and, and this is my semi liberal friend, Randy who says that some people are going overboard with this sort of stuff. You can't control all these factors and you, and you, and you alienating people and people are going to I mean, personally, if I were that parent, I would, I I would be down and I would be down in the principal's office and I would be going, what the, you know, what are you thinking? All right. Right. And in, and if, and if I lived in a town that passed a law, or a city that, that, that passed a law that says that you can't send your kid to school with a Twinkie if you want to, all right? And you know what? I'd be looking at real estate. I'd be, I'd be, I'd be moving to a, a red state. But Which by, I'm, you know, thinking about anyway but, into, by extension, retirement.
0: but by extension I would assume that you, and you're a conservative guy A libertarian guy, I think of you, Dr. Stu more As libertarian yes. than I do
1: as Republican By the or, way, what state was that
0: in? This is in... Colorado
1: It has to be I yeah. mean, It has to be a, a Thank you, Randy. State. Yeah,
0: the land of weed, the land of recreational that's weed That's a green state right. now You can
1: smoke weed, <laughs> <laughs> but you can't have an oil cookie Yeah,
0: it's a bit inconsistent right. I mean, Come on. Uh, and it, they go hand in hand, people Yeah, right. Yeah, yes, they do, I mean, how can you have one without the other? It it would seem to me, though, as a doctor and somebody who values the nutrition of young people, and certainly if we're going to send them into school for six hours a day and they're going to learn, they have have to have a full gas, a full tank of gas to learn. uh, You obviously support, even if taxpayers have to fund it, like in L.A. 99 cents, you clearly support the taxpayer-funded breakfast, even if it's 99 cents, for a student who shows up at L.A. USD hungry in the morning. That kid ain't going to learn anything well, that
1: kid's hungry. well, first of all, I want to go back. I'll answer that question in a second, but I want to go back to this. The story did say that that mother ran out of fruit that week. So That's she right. stuck in some cookies. So this is not like it's a habitual thing, and nor is it bad. I mean, what, if she had other good stuff in the lunch, than to stick in some candy or a, a, a cookie or a cupcake or something like that, as a treat to her loving child, seems to be more of a a testimonial of warmth than a testimonial of not caring. And that used to be when I was a kid,
0: Eltingville Lutheran School, my dear mother, she's in heaven, and her birthday, she'd be 68 this week, my dear mom, I love her so much, I think about her all the time, and my dad, who died just a few hours after my mom, and they were born just hours apart, Uh, but my mom used to brown bag my lunch, Uh, I was in high school, right, and I loved it, because uh, I only saw it, nobody else saw it, but she would draw a little happy face for me, and that was you know for me to see and in that lunch there was always a sandwich and it had uh, you know uh, salami or cheese or peanut butter right right? jelly Uh, right or I didn't like the
1: jelly jelly. just the peanut butter did they cut the crust off or not and
0: then there would be I would have to say there would be a soda
1: did they cut the crust off no no, I had the crust yeah I I used to have my mom used to cut the crust off spoiled
0: there would be a soda there would be (laughs) a a reasonably healthy bag of chips and then I have to say there would be a ring ding or a Twinkie, which was my treat. And now you might look at me and say, "Hey, Brian, you grew up to be obese, but I don't blame my mom for that." No, those are decisions no, because I made. Well, those after are the college. pizzas
1: you ordered when you were twenty. That's well, exactly I, I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not overweight right. either. And we we had hostess uh, treats in our in our lunch pretty much. Every Shouldn't day. kids
0: have something or in coo- the in, or you cookies? Know, school is. I remember the, the Mishigas. Am I using it right? Yes. All okay. I remember all of the all of the stress about school and lunch gave me something as a kid. Whether it was pizza lunch that we had or hot dog lunch two days a week growing up in school it gave me
1: something to look forward to and made school feel uh more welcoming The Italian nature of these people just sees no bounds I don't think and by the way this stuff never stops if they were to achieve perfect lunchbox scrutiny yeah there would always be something else oh yeah they'd find something else to start to start bugging families about what I forgot now you you remember what the question was you asked me just a minute ago, that I said I'd get back to, and I forgot to. I don't remember the All question. I don't know. Okay, either.
0: But you know what they really need to do? You know what they really need to do? Okay. The,
1: their next step really needs
0: to be evaluation of this home because oh, I know what it was. Okay, go ahead and do it. It was home breakfast. Yeah. Right. Ninety nine cents. LaUSD.
1: You know, being my you said I'm a libertarian. Being my libertarian self, and you're a compassionate guy. I don't believe that. I believe it's a parent's responsibility to give their children breakfast. And I don't believe that it's this again. It's a different way of thinking. It is the left wing thinking that the that it takes a village to raise a child, and that you need to uh, pay for these programs to give kids food. But if they can't, if they if their parents can't get up and get them for get them some oatmeal, all right, and a piece of toast, or some Cheerios and milk. For breakfast, the box is two bucks. What what, what are we talking about here, what, I what, uh, t- what are we talking about? T- Why does the school? Again, it's it, it's it's a way of thinking. That, of course, they have control of all these things now. They've worked their way into it over the last 50 years. Yeah, I contend to you
0: that if Hillary Clinton's physical image were removed from the It Takes a Village, if she didn't write a book called It Takes a Village, and her whole persona was removed from that theme of it taking a village to raise a child, and we were just talking about. Uh, a good kid, otherwise good kid, who shows up at LAUSD. Who, gosh darn it, checks his wallet, checks his pockets, doesn't have ninety-nine cents for a nutritious breakfast. Pragmatically, practically, any reasonable adult in Los Angeles would spring for ninety-nine cents so this kid at eight o'clock in the morning can have a nutritious breakfast, Why he... so that he can have the the gas in the tank. Why didn't you breakfast before he came to school? For whatever reason. Okay, so if he didn't. And if his parents failed him, should we make him a double failure and then a non-learner at LAUSD for that? Where six does that? Hours? Where
1: does that? Where does that stop? About it stops par- if yeah. you
0: come up with a 99-cent breakfast for so, that kid in the so morning. So the,
1: the liberals will stop at breakfast. It won't be free preschool. And my conservatives,
0: <laughs> and my conservatives want these kids. They'll fight tooth and nail to get mom to birth this kid. But once the kid's on the planet, they don't have ninety nine cents now to now get you're getting, breakfast. Now you're
1: waxing ridiculous. And I'm doing it on purpose. You're going off. I know you are. And you're, I'm angry. Right. You're angry.
0: So deal with it. <laughs> I'm angry. They force them They they force them. They want them to have the kid. And now the kid's here, and you can't come up with ninety nine cents for its breakfast. That's shameful. Well, that you know why
1: the kid is here. Because the the, the the conservatives don't want to pay for the birth control to prevent the kids from being here. So we could keep going back and back and back. Those those dastardly Republicans, they're to blame for everything. Let's blame them for everything.
0: Let's talk about Bruce Jenner. Can't but wait, we? wait,
1: wait. But let's talk about that. So I, I'm saying that the 99 cent, the, the breakfast thing, you asked as a libertarian. I, I think people should feed their own kids breakfast. And I think that, that this we is – We shouldn't this be doing cr- the parents' job for them. This is crazy – this is crazy. Now, if, if if a teacher notices a kid is falling behind, if a teacher notices a kid is getting, you know, uh, has a uh, has a uh, for lunch has a box of Cracker Jacks, and that's it, and it's every day, then the teacher should step in, and, and and make and and privately speak to the family and see what's going on. But to make a blanket rule that nobody, even people who are who feed their kids really well, can't send a couple of Oreo cookies to lunch without getting a nasty note back. I mean, I, I tell you, Brian. More than just me would be in the principal's office going. What are you think? What do you think you're doing? I might right. be behind you. I might be behind you. Would you would be too. I know you would be too because you'd be offended to get a note like that. I would be. It, it's condescending, and it and it and it's not based in science. And it tells me I don't know how to parent, but some of them
0: don't know how to parent. I like the idea of and going. You, I like the idea of checking out.
1: the uh, checking the. Uh, the dress the uh, the uh, desk drawer of these guys to see if they, what you know what kind of snacks they got in their drawer and going home and checking their refrigerator Do- I, I would bet you that, it, that it, they ain't sh- they ain't shopping at the organic food store
0: all right dr Stu podcast number 79 yeah. here can you believe it's 79 how long have you been a medical doctor in California how many years
1: well 82 so 33 years 33 years have you ever in
0: your 33 years? encountered a patient with the challenges that bruce jenner articulated to diane sawyer a couple of weeks ago on abc television no
1: <laughs> that's all i can say and you're about to brian you have no. something to tell us yes
0: i want you to sit down yes no I'm, I'm randy has something to say no uh did you watch the interview no okay so bruce jenner uh believes that he has lived his whole life uh he, that he is a woman one of the more touching elements of the interview was when he actually said imagine for a moment he says to his children actually got a little choked up for a moment i am a man of faith i i i believe i believe, uh, I believe uh, in jesus i'm a christian i believe that we're all created by the same god and bruce jenner talks about how here he was little bruce and they were putting together little bruce and uh god looked down they looked down and said give him great athletic skills Give him great communication skills. Give him decent looks. Give him charisma. Give him all these things. But uh, let's not make him too perfect, proving God has a sense of humor. Let's throw something into the mix to make it a challenge for him. Let's put Bruce in a woman's body. Let's Let's give him a woman's soul. And that's how he described. Let's put a woman's soul in Bruce's body. In Bruce's body. And that's how how he described sort of the making of him, Bruce Jenner, as we know him today. So he goes on with Diane Sawyer and says, look, he's cross-dressed and obviously he's been hiding it for a long time, but he feels more comfortable as a woman. He's now going to debut as a woman uh, saying farewell to the Bruce Jenner that we know. We used to call this in the 70s and the 80s sex change operations, but I understand and I'll appeal to you uh, as a clinician. <laughs> that transgender goes much more deep than simply changing of organs. It it means that you're born into a body, whether it's a boy's body or a girl's body, and you're pretty darn convinced that you were supposed to be born into the other sex's body. So there's that lifelong challenge that is going on in Bruce Jenner's life. Now he's 65, and it's been present, yeah. according to his testimony to Diane Sawyer, all that time.
1: Yeah, it's got to be very tormenting for him. I, I have to admit, I have no expertise in this field other than anything that any of us in this room share I mean I didn't watch the interview I think you did because it's part of your you needed to watch it for your for your uh, profession and I'm just really I'm really interested in it Right, not um, for personal
0: reasons, but I think it's a great study in human. No, behavior. and
1: I'm old enough to remember Bruce Jenner when he won the decathlon. I'm the, old enough to remember
0: Bruce Jenner sitting with my brother Barry on Staten Island around the breakfast nook, and his picture was on the Wheaties box. He was
1: on the Wheaties box, and, and I, he, I
0: remember that too. Yeah, and he was, by all standards, far and away the icon of the American athlete.
1: No, I think that I think that the it's a very it's a very uh, serious and sincere problem that that is very that is. You know, I I don't think it's I don't want to pretend that this is extremely common. It's not common, all right. I don't want to, I don't know that there's a lot of people in the closet, so to speak, that actually feel like Bruce does. Because he says he's not gay, by the way. No, no, he's going to still uh, he's still interested in. Um, Women. And women. And
0: what chick? I got to ask. I mean, you're at the Applebee's and there's, uh, you know, Bruce Jenner at 65, you know, dressed uh, to the nines in a Donna Karen suit. What chicks into that? There's somebody for everybody, Brian. I guess so, Randy. There might even be somebody for you someday. So believe in Bruce Jenner. I believe in Bruce Jenner. (laughs) But gender has absolutely nothing to do with sexuality. In fact, he says he's asexual. Yeah, I call him transgender, by the way. Yes. Hey, that's what hey, I, call I, see, I see what you did there. Yeah, you think I you were there. the first one that yeah, did that? Did I that? believe did I you, was the first one. Did you then. get a trademark? I did that? not get a trademark. So, again, I lost money. But I wonder if indeed the medical community that you work in, I mean, you'll be leaving it, obviously, not anytime soon, but might this be a real significant issue for your uh, for, for the younger set that's coming after you, Dr. Stu? I think it might be. Uh,
1: you know, I again, Brian, I think it's going to be a very rare thing. Because Probably it, because about, it, as, about as rare as measles uh, outbreaks will be
0: <laughs> so just stay away from disneyland yes. if you don't want a transgender that's correct right because because obviously the the community that it strikes percentage-wise is still obviously overall a very small percentage of the community
1: right right i think that you know this has probably been going on for a while obviously there are, you know you hear about this in the news that there's somebody in prison in california who wants the the, the taxpayer to pay for his sex change operation or whatever you want to call it transgender or whatever and i guess they win and i guess that we we end up as taxpayers paying for that sort of thing so i mean it does happen just like you know just like uh anything that's sensational that's something like with if this had happened to joe schmo you know in uh in oklahoma you never would have heard about it but because it's bruce jenner it's it's huge news because of the kardashian show and all that stuff he is Extremely uh, media popular
0: biologically as an OBGYN who catches babies at home. Home birthing is your business. As I was watching Diane Sawyer interview Bruce Jenner, I was looking forward to my next conversation with you, Dr. Stu, because I thought to ask you, is there ever a time in the future that you can visualize where someone like Bruce Jenner would be after the appropriate changes to his body in a position to actually give birth to a baby yeah
1: that that can happen i'm not sure it would happen in and somebody how who's 65 wild but, is that well i think they they have done the first uh there was a report last year or the year before about the first womb transplant that <coughs> that was successful in in carrying a baby to a point where they, it was viable and then ended up doing a, a cesarean section for delivery
0: right so conception happens and the <laughs> womb is then
1: transplanted into another no no the womb is transplanted into a person wasn't this an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie yeah. junior No, I don't think he even got a womb. I just think they put the fetus in him uh, uh, that one. but no this okay. is the uterus is transplanted before and okay. then and then the the person is hormonally manipulated, and then they are get pregnant. This is usually in a woman who's it's usually in a woman who is a woman who was born without a uterus.
0: Because this piece with Diane Sawyer, it started off as me coming off with the impression, okay, here's little Bruce Jenner, who clearly, above all, is a, what I would refer to in my 42 years of life as a, cross dresser here's a kid who started early on putting on mommy's dress when no one was looking and a cross dresser is not a transgendered person and a cross dresser is not necessarily a homosexual person and there are all these new terminologies and all these new boundaries that we as society and talk show hosts and that's what i am have to respect but more importantly doctors and clinicians like yourself doctors do you really have to respect these boundaries and these new terminologies yeah and that's a challenge i bet
1: uh well yeah I don't think that I'm going to encounter that mu- that much in my sort of I don't think that average day-to-day OBGYN will encounter that. You don't think you'll because see
0: pretty soon a transgendered uh, patient come into the OBGYN for office? For a pap smear? Yeah, they want a pap. No, I don't have a uterus. Well, no, but but Bruce Jenner was saying that one of his daughters said, and I'm quoting Bruce Jenner, I think it was Chloe, who said, look, you can't do this. Yes,
1: unless you have a vajayjay. And I not heard,
0: have I, the I, vajayjay. Yeah, I heard that. And this gets me to thinking, okay, is Bruce Jenner going to, well, they've done that. I'm to be do clinical, that. logistically
1: have the penis removed and a vagina added. Yes, they, and they, that, that's been done before. For. And does that work smoothly? Well, it's it's major surgery and it's it's a step-by-step operation. I'll it's take you required, down to
0: Santa Monica Boulevard. It you requires, can find
1: out. <laughs> requires several operations. It's done generally by specialist surgeons who do this sort of thing. Um uh, involved with, sometimes with GYN oncology surgeons who happen to probably be the best in our profession and our
0: program is for adults uh, when, when that when that process is complete I have to ask because Diane Sawyer didn't ask and I got honor on social media for not asking Is sexual intercourse for the Bruce Jenner type person who has the new vajayjay as his daughter describes it? is that sexual experience on par with what a biologically born woman's sex life is like with a biologically born man. I'm sure. Man. I'm
1: sure it could be. Uh, you know, I don't know whether you know whether or not orgasms will be achieved in the normal fashion because they technically don't have a clitoris. I don't know if the nerve endings can be transferred. Uh, I don't think that that's so. It's outside my expertise to even comment on that. But the, you know, for the partner, if she has a male partner. I mean, he can certainly yeah. have an orgasm in the usual fashion. I read this The vagina week, is usually made out of small intestine. They usually take a piece of small intestine.
0: I read this week that the average uh, male uh, orgasm is six seconds long, and the average female orgasm is something like 20 to 30 seconds long. I did read that in some book. I don't know what I've been reading lately, but I did. Boy, pick, boy. <laughs> uh, no, no, I picked that up online.
1: Well, I oh, in look- a Bruce Jenner. All the listeners are going to have to get out their stopwatches now. No, they, okay? no, they
0: don't have to And do they're
1: going to have to check it out, and then they're going to write me at askdrstu.com. And but but uh,
0: I couldn't help, you know, forgive me. I at couldn't gmail.com. Help, I, I couldn't help but think of you. The The email address is <laughs> askdrstu at gmail.com, because I think that all of medicine, medicine, is it safe to say that medicine is being, you know, turned upside down to some extent, not only logistics, in the way you do your billing and Obamacare and the Affordable Care Act, but in all of sort of the new norms, the new normals that have been perpetrated on providers such as yourself, do you feel sometimes, as a doctor, like your head spinning a little bit?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I read a lot of and stuff. And talk
0: about that. That's I, interesting. I, I read a
1: lot of stuff about what's going on with, as you said, the Affordable Care Act and, and electronic health records and things called um, uh, what's the term Uh, uh, it's a term for picking up the, the best practices and uh, uh, I'm I'm drawing a blank. I know the term, I know the term, but uh, and they're going to be judging you and you're going to be, uh, your practice is going to be uh, monitored and audited. And uh, you know, I don't, I don't see that as a positive. I don't see that as improving patient care. I think quality of care is being defined by bureaucrats and administrators. It's not being defined by what doctors or, or patients would define as quality. There's a lot of these things that are changing. You see science being corrupted. I think we talked not too long ago about breach delivery. I wanted to diverge a little bit off into just recently uh, an article came out in the Green Journal which was uh, titled uh, uh, um, it was a, it was about Canadian breach deliveries from the year 20 uh, 2003 to 2011 and they looked at uh, you know all the deliveries in all of Canada over an eight-year period of time except excepting for Quebec which has its own system and they came up with the fact that uh, the breach rate was about 29 percent oh wow about uh, there were only 200 breach deliveries per year on average in all of Canada vaginally. Mm. They looked at some numbers, they came up and they, and they did some uh, calculations and they came up with the idea that a cesarean section without labor is better and safer for uh, a baby than having a cesarean section in labor or a breach vaginal birth. And so Medscape put out a headline that said cesarean delivery without labor safest for breach babies. I, I, did a critical analysis of this study. I, I wrote a 3,000-word essay. The people can find it on my blog page at birthinginstincts.com if they right. want to read about it. And if I've,
0: you go to Dr. Stu's Facebook page, all of these uh, birthing instincts, they are all there to be clicked right from the Facebook page for Dr. Stu's podcast. And
1: I submitted this to Medscape myself to get my essay. Hopefully it will get published. So now i got two things out there that I'm hoping to get published. Uh, but the reason I'm bringing it up is because the the science that they used for this was the same problematic science they used uh, fifteen years ago in two thousand, where they used retrospective uh, birth certificate or discharge hospital discharge data, which again doesn't tell whether a breach delivery was planned or unplanned. It doesn't tell you whether the skill of the anything about the skill of the practitioner that was there. And my funny suggestion about this was I think the the same researchers who did this project should look back at the years 1983 to 1991 at a time before the term breach trial when breach delivery was standard. Everyone in residency programs was being taught breach delivery and see whether the outcomes were, were as bad in that group as they were. Because I don't think it's the mode of delivery. I think it's the skill of the practitioner that matters. And the last thing I'll say about that, in order to find statistical significance, they had to group together morbidities. Such as bruised genitalia, with things like a broken neck or intracranial bleeding, and the two are are one's transient, the other one is permanent. But it, individually, they didn't make statistical significance. So they do something called composite uh, risk risk assessment, and they put that out there uh, in, in, in and and so it makes statistical significance. But we cannot group together, Brian. We cannot group together uh, the idea that a, a baby needed assisted ventilation for thirty seconds to a minute. And say that that because that's higher in a vaginal birth, that we now need to recommend cesarean section. Mm. So the data is skewed, and nothing in this article, by the way, and nothing in Medscape that when they quoted this article talked about the risks of surgical birth. So, your question was a more general question about the about the all the problems with science these days. Right. It, it, it extends. This is a kind of a theme in every one of our podcasts lately: is that that science is really corrupted, and science is really difficult to interpret, and the the ability to to take any study and you can't take anecdotal things like bruce jenner's case and extrapolate that to the general population and you can't take a a scientific article without analyzing the methodology the uh how they interpreted the results what were their endpoints and then come to some conclusion, and the average person just doesn't know how to do that.
0: This is vintage Doctor Stew. If you love this, I encourage you to share these podcasts on Facebook, share them on Twitter. It's Doctor Stew's podcast. I'm Brian Whitman. I just sort of facilitate the podcast here with Doctor Stew, and we have a great time. I know you've got another. And thought. I just want to add,
1: I want to finish with the whole breach thing. Is that I think if you did the same study and you took people like the group in Germany uh, that that has a breach center there, or you took me or Dr. Uh, Ronald Wu here in Los Angeles, and you looked at our breach statistics, they would be completely the reverse of what this paper got. And and so the idea that headlines come out that f- that people who hate breach delivery or don't want to teach breach delivery are going to jump on it again and they're going to they're going to take the message that breach delivery is dangerous when that isn't the message. That's not even the conclusion of the author. The author only says that these factors should be considered when counseling patients. Mm. But the average doctor isn't going to take them. So I, I want people to understand that that if something sounds absurd, if something seems to defy common sense, it probably is wrong. And to suddenly believe that an elective cesarean section is the best way to deliver any baby that, that, that God allowed us to, to create and that your body grew is, is, is sort of is crazy. It's crazy. Cesarean section is not the answer to the problems that are facing the American woman in birth. All right. I promise more on
0: that on the next podcast, which will be number 80. Dr. Stew's podcast number 80. number 80. Uh, Please share this podcast on Facebook. Share it on Twitter. Get it out to your girlfriends, to your daughter-in-law, to your mother-in-law, to your friends, to your husband, to your boyfriend, to your girlfriend. Put it on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe on iTunes. You'll get an alert. You give Dr. Stew five stars. Write a review. You'll never miss an episode of Dr. Stew's podcast. We thank you so much for joining us. For Dr. Stuart Fishbine. I'm Brian Whitman. As always, it's a pleasure, my friend. It is a pleasure, my faithful companion. And we will see you next time on Dr. Stu's podcast.